We're going to be studying the Word this morning, um, and we're going to just be breaking some things down, and I hope um, that you will be able to follow along. I've had just so many, so many different thoughts, so many different feelings as I'm, as I'm in the Word and as I'm praying, as I'm uh, staying alongside, and you're staying alongside of Lori and I, and I just want to thank you for the outpouring of love and support that we've received um, from the Mountain View family, but also from extended our extended church family all, all around the region, and uh, thank you for standing with us, and thank you for your love and support. Um, and you know what? It's just like what we've been talking about through this whole situation um, over the last multiple months. We're just trying to figure things out as we go, make the best of it, and learn and just be faithful. Uh, just be faithful to our Lord and Savior, and just be thankful for what He's done. So this morning, uh, what I really like for us to do, we're going to be looking at Second Thessalonians chapter three. And we're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 6. And these are some verses that it's, you've probably used them, you've probably heard them mentioned, but I want, to, I want to take a little bit different, expanded, a little bit different look at them this morning. And, and simply this morning, what I'd like for us to do is just remember the Thessalonians and the Galatians. Um, the people of Thessalonica and the people of Galatia this morning. Um, I want us to just think about what Paul is saying to both of these groups of people, and he uses a very specific word. He uses a very specific phrase um, at the end of both of these writings to encourage a group of people because of what they're going through. And so I want us to just break some things down and think about it this morning, but let's begin reading in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. We're going to begin in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 13, and I just want to I'll read these verses. I'll be reading in the New King James this morning. But he says this at the end of this letter. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. Now, I just want to mention before I keep reading that we talked a little bit about this um, last week. And um, we we're, just, we we're just talking about how it's so important um, to pursue truth. And what truth means, but I, I just want to mention that uh, Paul is dealing with some things here. He's trying to encourage some people because I mentioned last week that this group of people thought that they'd been left behind. So there's a lot going on. There's people. Uh, I get the impression that, and I believe that what had happened is people thought the end times were coming, that the Lord was returning, so they'd stopped working. Um, there was some confusion. There was a lot of you know. If you look back, it said there was some busybody. There was some conversation. So we're having some people problems. In the middle of what he's saying, don't grow weary in doing good. And this is what he says in the next verse, verse 14. And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Now, um, verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself Give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul with my own hand, which is a sign in every epistle. So I write the last verse. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now, Galatians chapter 6, if you want to turn over there. And we're going to read some verses in Galatians chapter 6 together. And I want you to see it's a similar thing. But I want to go back, and if you look back um, in Galatians chapter 6, before we re begin reading in verse 6, if you look back, and he's talking about it in verse 5, um, 
in verse, in verse 3 and in verse 4, and then in verse 5, it's just talking about if anybody deceives himself, you examine your own work. And then he's saying it's, it's evaluation. I want you to just think about the context. And then what it says in verse 6, Galatians chapter 6, verse 6, it says, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Especially to those who are of the household of faith. So what I want to mention is that in both of these words, um, in both of these passages, the word weary, um, in the original language when it uses this word weary, do not grow weary in doing well. It's, a, it's the same Greek word in both of these passages, and it has this idea to be utterly spiritless, to be wearied out or exhausted. Now, I have never had the type of dialogue, interaction, and conversations over these last multiple months where I have sensed and we've had open conversation with people that there is this ongoing weariness, this level of spiritless, like at times, like, I don't even know what I feel. I feel dead inside. I'm overwhelmed. I'm scared to death. Just that being wearied out or that level of exhaustion. And so many times we've had conversations. I, Lori and I have had conversations with some of you to where that there's almost like this spiritual and mental exhaustion, and you're just like, almost like what it says here, spiritless, utterly spiritless. So then the two verses, the two interpretations of when it's saying to do good or in well-doing, it has this idea of doing well, acting uprightly, or to live virtuously. Another way in, in well-doing to make or to do beautiful by reason of purity of heart and life, hence praiseworthy, morally good, noble, a good conscience. So what I want you to think about this morning is that in the context of what he's saying here about we can't get weary, we can't get exhausted by doing these excellent, these virtuous these honorable, these noble, these excellent things in our lives. We have to encourage one another and we have to be encouraged not to become spiritless in this process of learning how to do those noble, beautiful, godly, virtuous, uh, pure things of our own heart and life. I believe that both these passages reveal some deep truth if we will stop and consider what Paul is sharing with both of these groups of believers. Now understand, two different groups of believers, and he gives similar encouragement because of the challenges and the things that they're facing, the things that they're going through. A church in Thessalonica and a church in Galatia. 
People who have embraced Jesus as the Son of God and as their Redeemer. They were learning, think about this, they were learning on a new level about relationship with God and relationship with one another through the Spirit of God. Both of these, if you step back and look at, both of these encouragements are in the context I believe that if you look at it, you can see this encouragement is in the context of relationship. Human relationships, and I want you to think about this. I'm going to give you just three quick thoughts. Human relationships can be absolutely rewarding. God has created us for relationship. We believe that God has created us for relationship with him and for relationship with with one another. And because of that, human relationships can be absolutely rewarding. A relationship with God is intended and designed by the very nature of what God has done on our behalf to be absolutely rewarding. And yet, because we're human beings, human relationships can also be extremely challenging. All the way back. See, the first brothers, one killed the other. Didn't take long for us to kind of mess up the human relationship because human relationships can be extremely challenging. And at times in our lives, human relationships can be incredibly exhausting. So I want you to just think about in the context of us talking about human relationships and this encouragement to not get exhausted, not be wearied out, not be spiritless in this level of investment. Now, I've heard it said so many times on multiple occasions, the ministry would be much easier if it weren't for people. Now, it's, it's funny because in so many things, It's a lot easier to have this ministry program and to have an event, but when you are doing real ministry and you're in the trenches with people and you're walking alongside of them and their struggles and their lives and their mistakes, it gets messy. And that's why a lot of people that are in the trenches in ministry, they say ministry would be much easier if it weren't for people. I want to give you four things. I want some highlights for consideration this morning as we're talking about this. Number one, if you look at what he's saying in Galatians chapter 6, there's a spirit investment versus a flesh investment. What that, I want to say it this way. It's God's ways versus human ways. So as we're looking at this, and I want us to think about in the context of relationships this morning, that what we are constantly learning how to do is focus on the spiritual versus the carnal. This spirit investment versus a flesh investment. And it's difficult because we have to learn. We have to be committed to this spirit investment, first of all, with ourselves, with God. But then we have to learn how to transfer that to portion it off with other people. That's called discipleship. But this this human relationship challenge is about learning as we learn to follow God and draw close to him that it's a spiritual investment, it's a spirit investment versus a flesh investment. The second thing I want to just mention real quickly, a highlight for us to consider, is that managing expectations is still a challenge. Managing our own expectations, managing expectations within a relationship, 
A lot of us are learning how, and it's difficult because you're actually learning how to manage your own expectation of God and God's expectation of you because a lot of times in your growth, in your relationship with God, there's this disparity between how you view God and what you expect of Him versus what He expects of you. And so managing expectations is still a challenge. Disappointment of a failed investment. Think of it this way. Some of you that are listening to to these words this morning, either in a marriage, either in a family relationship, maybe it's with one of your children, maybe it's with a sibling, maybe it's somebody that you were pursuing that you thought that there was marriage down the road. And what you are learning to deal with is managing those expectations because it's a challenge. And what happens is a disappointment of a failed investment on behalf of somebody else makes it difficult to get traction. Some of you, you've prayed a particular thing. And in your mind, your prayer request was unanswered or it was answered differently than your expectation and you experienced some kind of failed investment on your part or the belief that there was a failed investment. So for all of us, and even as you look at what it's saying here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and as we're looking at Galatians chapter 6, the part of this human relationship issue is learning how to work through a failed investment. The third thing I want to mention is that boundaries are still necessary for relationship development. I call this the investment, respect, and response. When we are learning how to invest in other people, when we're learning how to share, we're learning how to give, if you look at what it's saying here, and it's amazing that what what I've watched, and I was talking with Lori about this this morning before we came over here, is that a lot of the church teaching and the way that we've taken a lot of love, whoa, love teaching out of context is that we, we get, a lot of people have this idea that, okay, we say love never fails, and so that means that you just keep getting punched in the face and you keep getting beat up and you keep getting abused and like there's no boundaries There's no guidelines in our relationship expectations. But if you step back and begin to break down what the Word of God says and what some of the apostles and what some of the early teachers and even what Jesus said, you know, there was a a teaching. Jesus said, hey, man, you, you, you know, shake the dust off their feet. What is Paul saying here to the Galatians? He's saying, listen, what you're trying to do is modify the way that you interact with somebody because you want to help them come to terms and realize that what they're doing is not proper, they're not responding properly, and that they need to be ashamed of their response. The church of Jesus Christ is about setting boundaries. And it's about proclaiming truth in a way to where that it's reinforced by the way that we respond to each other. And boundaries are still necessary for relationship development. And the last thing I want to mention is that we can only make a choice to change ourselves, not others. I'm just giving you some highlights for consideration. But all throughout the New Testament, all throughout Paul's teaching, there is this underlying principle that you begin to see that each one of us have to learn to take responsibility for ourselves. That... Tim Duggins needs to, I can help, 
I can influence, I can be a blessing, but at the end of the day, I can't change anybody but me. I have no control over anyone's outcomes of attitude and heart and mind and discipline and self-control other than mine. And as we begin to understand that, and we begin to understand that our happiness, our success, our failure is in our relationship with God through His Son and the work of His Spirit first and foremost. And then secondarily, my response and my level of freedom is based on my attitude and my response, my choices toward other people. And what he's saying is that we have to understand certain things so that we don't become exhausted and wearied out and beat up. Now, I want to transition because this has just been super on my heart, and I hope this will make sense because we're talking about relationships. There's a Jewish heritage that's represented in the New Testament churches. As many of the new believers were Hebrews that embraced Jesus as Messiah. Uh, I'm not going to point all that out, but if you go back and look, you'll see that this is true, that there were Gentile and there were Hebrews that made up the early church. And there was also this new group of believers that were Gentiles, that were outside of this Jewish, this Jewish culture. Many of the Gentiles were also familiar with Jewish family traditions. There was a generational clan or family commitment that was part of the Hebrew culture. Now, I mention that because I believe that we need to return to the biblical teaching and our biblical roots. I believe that we need to reclaim and capture our homes, our families, and those closest to us the way that the Scripture teaches and the way that this heritage is represented in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We need to focus on our faith being real, authentic, and transferable, first and foremost, in our own lives, in our marriages, our families, and our friendships. Our greatest investment should be at home, in our homes, with those closest to us. It's not the responsibility of pastors and spiritual leaders to transfer spiritual truths to a family unit. Please hear me when I say this. I am not abdicating in any way my call or my responsibility as a spiritual leader in this church family or brothers and sisters around. But there's been a false teaching that has been promoted within the church of Jesus Christ for many, many years, like somehow it is my personal responsibility for the spiritual success and welfare of each family unit that's within our church family. Now, I'm supposed to do my part. We're supposed to do our part as spiritual leaders to raise up faithful men and women that will be a part of ministry but that's within the church. If you step back and look at the responsibility that we're going to look at in just a few minutes in Deuteronomy chapter 6, I think that we need to take a good hard look at ourselves and we need to go back and realize that that responsibility is first and foremost with the man and woman of the household. It's the responsibility of the husband and wife who are blessed with children and they take their new roles called father and mother seriously before God. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 together. And if you've never if you've never looked at this, you've never considered it, you've never studied it. Um, let me just encourage you to 
open your heart up to what is being said. Now, this is to the nation of Israel, but I believe that there's a deep truth that we need to understand here because this has not changed. Verse 1, this is now this is a commandment. <clears throat> and these are the statutes and judgments with, with the, that the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God, to keep all of His statutes and His commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. They'll be personal. They'll be yours. They'll be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes you shall write them on the doorposts of your home and on your gates. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve Him and shall take oaths in His name. You shall not, you shall not go after other gods and the gods of the peoples who are all around you. For the Lord your God is a jealous God among you lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him um, in, in Massa. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God, his testimonies and his statutes which he, which he commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord that it may be well with you and that you may go in and possess the good land for which the Lord swore to your fathers to cast out all of your enemies from before you as the Lord has spoken. When, you, when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders before our eyes, great and severe against Egypt, Pharaoh, and all his household. Then he brought us out from there, that he might bring us in to give us the land of which he swore to our fathers, 
And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. Then it will be righteousness for us. If we are careful to observe all these commandments before the Lord our God, as he commanded us. As I read this in Deuteronomy chapter 6, I just want to draw out, if you're not familiar with this chapter, I believe that this same level of generational, we read about it in Psalms, it's, it's all throughout the scriptures, that this should be something that is real and it's foremost to us so that when we're having these dialogues, when we're having these conversations, and I want to say that this is not a Bible study course. I want to mention this because so many times what we've turned things into is like this Bible study course. We've turned it into some kind of catechism. This is not a catechism. This is not a Sunday school class, and this is not an event. It's a lifestyle. It's a belief system. It's a way of thinking that is modeled and discussed through living life. And what he's saying here is that it should just be very natural. Our faith, our belief in God should just be a part of the very sinew of who we are so that with our families, with our sons, with our daughters, with our grandsons, with our granddaughters, that as we're walking by the way, as we're walking life, as we're going through life, that we should just be naturally talking about our belief in God and our faith in Him. There's not this box, this, this generated isolation where it fits here and it doesn't doesn't fit here, but it, it should be a lifestyle about our belief in who we are, and that's what we have to get back to. And this kind of investment, this kind of investment, human relationship investment, this kind of investment in our relationship with God, this is at the very core, the very, the very heartbeat of what our faith should be. It's at the very center of what Christianity should be about. It's not something that we do, it's who we are. Influencing those closest to us should be at the very heart of what Christianity is really all about, a belief in God that affects our worldview. Part of what's happening in our nation, what we're seeing the effects of right now, Young people and college students and young adults walking away from the church and saying that they don't believe in God and they don't believe that a belief in God is important. Part of what that is is because we've made Christianity this institutional intellectual thing instead of making it the reality of what it should be. It's a heart, soul, and a faith issue. And I'm just saying right now that a lot of families have abdicated the responsibility of spiritual generational transference and transformation to the church events, the youth pastor, the college and career pastor, the, the pastors on staff. And it's we've got to keep these events going when what kids respond to is the reality of what's being lived out in front of them. I know a lot of kids that drink. They have no problem with being indulged in alcohol because that's what they've seen modeled before them on a regular basis. Kids watch what we do. They watch what's real to us. They watch what we depend on. They watch who we lean on. They watch what we turn to. 
And so what I'm saying to us this morning is that we have to not be weary in these real, genuine human investments, that investment of time and relationship. I've been asking some of you for months to up your game, to be super intentional about your investment in your pursuit of Jesus Christ. When are you going to start? When are you going to stop making excuses? And when are you going to begin to invest? And listen, that investment, there's going to be misunderstanding. There's going to be exhaustion. There's going to be times where you're going to be weary and you're not going to know what's going on. But yet in the process of that, you are drawing closer to God and then it becomes a natural part of who you are. And then you transfer that. You should be modeling that to the people that are closest to you. That investment is wearisome. You get exhausted because you're pouring yourself out in your pursuit of God and you're pouring yourself out. You're investing in other people. You don't get tired or weary if you're not pouring yourself out. You get what I'm saying? That level of weariness or exhaustion comes from a level of investment, a level of activity, a level of doing, a level of struggle on behalf of somebody else. So let me say it like this. This is a relational investment that should be absolutely rewarding. Can I tell you something? I get tired. But I love. It's rewarding to invest in other people. And yes, it can be frustrating. But yet some of you, over the last several months, you have stood on your own and you have been walking with God like you never have and your faith is your own. And I want to just tell you something. You have no clue how you bless my wife and I and our family because seeing you grow is absolutely rewarding. These family and friendships investments can also be extremely challenging. Because the people that we're trying to influence the most know us the best. They know our strengths. They know our weaknesses. They know our buttons. They know how to get underneath our nerves, on our nerves, just like we do them. Yeah, it's just part of life. It's extremely challenging. At times in our lives, those closest to us can also be incredibly exhausting. I know nobody can say amen right now because that just says that, yep, I get what you're saying, but it's just the reality of humanity. So let me go over these highlights. Spirit investment versus flesh investment. We're learning God's ways versus the human ways, and it's a different level of investment. Investing in the Spirit is different because you're trying to glorify God. You're trying to draw close to Him. You're not trying to glorify yourself. Managing expectations is still a challenge because we're dealing with disappointment of failed um, investment. You thought something was going to happen, and it didn't. Boundaries are still necessary for relationship development, investment, uh, respect, and response. And we can only make a choice for ourselves. We're responsible for ourselves. So let me say this. We must not become exhausted with doing the good and excellent things in our pursuit of Christ, in our pursuit of others. We must not become tired or overwhelmed at the process of investing in those closest to us. Maybe you've got somebody close to you that's not born again. You cannot stop praying. You cannot stop living. You cannot stop. You cannot compromise your level of integrity and your hope and your faith and your belief. 
You must not be overwhelmed at the process of investing in those closest to you, regardless of how frustrating it is. We must learn to consistently invest in issues of the spirit and not issues of the flesh. It's a different warfare. It's a different life. It's a different depth. And we have to consistently learn to invest. And we will experience God-sized blessings if we do not give up. As a church family, we're going to persevere. We're going to keep meeting. We're going to keep glorifying him. We're going to keep praising his name. We're going to keep lifting up Jesus. We're going to keep doing what we've been doing, but on a greater level. And we're not going to give up. We're not going to stop. We're not going to acquiesce. We are going to continue to pursue him because we believe that we will experience God-sized blessings if we do not give up. If we do not become wearisome and beat up and exhausted and give in to that, we are going to experience, and I'm praying right now, we've been talking about this, I'm expecting God to do abundantly amazing things. You say, Tim, well, what you and Lori just went through, that's just a a road bump. It's part of life. We all have things that we have to deal with. We're expecting God to do great and mighty things through our church family. And we're expecting to God meet us at our level of faith. And we're asking him to rock this region, to shake this region with the gospel message. I want to see our high schools impacted with the gospel. And teenagers set the example of faith for the adults and the walk and them to see other teenagers come to faith, for that to happen in middle school. Our children already set an incredible example of faith in the way they pray for people. We want to just see husbands and wives, and we want to see families reclaimed for the glory of God. We're not going to back down. We're expecting God-sized blessings. So let me ask you, is your faith and belief in Jesus as Lord and Savior something you have to prove to others, or is it just part of who you are? If you're tired and weary today, don't stop sharing. Don't stop sharing who you are and what you believe. Don't stop living out. Don't stop pursuing Christ with those closest to you. Brothers and sisters, don't get exhausted and weary and stop. You can't do that. Learning to be the body of Christ means coming alongside of one another when we're weary so that we can stand and we can walk together. Sometimes I keep walking because you help me. When I'm exhausted. Scripture says, having done all to stand. Some of you this week, you said to me, Tim, I don't know what to say. This says it all. Sometimes we just stand next to each other. We're there for each other. And what it means is you don't stop. Because there's times when some of you you don't even realize how God is using you in my life and in the, in the life of my wife and I because we're weary and we're tired 
and you'll write us a note. Sometimes you'll just show up. Sometimes you share your heart. And what that means is that we're learning how to just be there next to each other so that what that, what that does is we're able to bolster, we're able to gain strength from one another so that we keep walking forward in the battle. Because there's a lot of times when nobody knows that I'm discouraged because I'm trying to be an encouragement, I'm trying to be a blessing, but in my heart of hearts, there's this internal struggle. And sometimes, just like this morning, if you can't tell it was real, when the guys came up and just stood next to me. That's what it means. That's what takes place. That's what happens. There's this transference of encouragement simply by being present in somebody else's life. Some of you that sent this, you know who you are. You think I'm sharing my heart. And... Maybe you underestimate or you think it's no big deal. The fact that I've kept these and I read them and I hear your heart and I see what God's doing in your life adds strength in my weariness sometimes. Somebody Still haven't been able to figure out who dropped it off. I don't know if you can see this. Pretty cool. We found this on our front porch. When you open it up, can you see in there? Somebody took the time to write out a bunch of verses and fold them up. Galatians 6, 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So guess what? Whoever dropped this off at our house, Lori and I have been reading through these ever since you blessed us with them. And just like what I've been telling you, we pour the word of God over ourselves. And we quote these verses together. And we try to encourage one another. This morning, I hope that this visual image will be left for you and that you'll realize that we need to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And that we need to be there for one another. Yeah, we're going through some challenging times and Things are not like what they used to be. But we have to pursue relationship with God and relationship with one another. There's an investment level there that when you invest and when we've talked about sweat equity in the past, that there's disappointment in that process. There's frustration in that process. But yet in that process of investment, when we get tired, we have to realize that we can't give up. We can't become or we can't stay spiritless. That we have to continue. And that's what the church is all about. It's not going somewhere. It's being somewhere for each other. It's standing alongside. It's being present.
And you have no idea how the little things that you do for other people, it doesn't matter whether it makes social media or not. What matters is whether God has used it to encourage and strengthen the heart of somebody else. So let's be there for one another. And let's learn. And let me just ask you this morning, if you've backed off and stopped investing, please don't. Please don't stay there. Get back up. Be honest. Be truthful with yourself and with other people. We need you in the battle. We need you as a brother and sister. And maybe you're saying, Tim, ah, man, you're blowing my mind. My heart's stirring. Maybe it's time for you to get in the battle. Maybe it's time for you to be born again. Maybe it's time for you to say, God, I believe in you and what you've done through Jesus Christ. Forgive me, change me, transform me. I want to know you. And as I know you, I want to make you known to other people. So let's be who God has called us to be. And let's encourage one another to love and good works. And let's not give up. Let's not lay down. Let's not become wearied and stay there. But let's realize that greater things are ahead for us as we draw close to God, as we invest in Him, and as we invest in one another. To God be the glory. Let's see Him do great things together. Thanks for tuning in this week. Hope you've been challenged and blessed. Thank you, guys.